Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Small Business Digest Radio. My name is Don Mazzella, and I am your host for a program devoted to identifying strategies and suggestions to help small business managers increase profits, add sales, better manage cash flow, improve employee management, and streamline operations. Our guests are other entrepreneurs and experts offering their solutions to the problems and opportunities facing small business leaders. Our aim in each program is to provide one or two thought-provoking ideas or suggestions. So follow us on Twitter at hashtag 2SBDigest or at our website at www.smallbusinessdigest.net. We have a very good program today, and we start off first um, with Larry Gadea, CEO of uh, Envoy. Uh, really happy to, to have him with us. Uh, one of the reasons is whenever you go to an event, one of the slowest times, one that elicits uh, some of the um, greatest um, uh, displeasure from attendees is uh, actually signing in. Well, Larry, will talk about that and a few other things. Welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, Larry, as we ask all of our guests first time, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so my name's Larry Gadia. Um, basically, I uh, I was born in Romania, um, went through some crazy smuggling stuff, went to Canada. That's where I grew up, so I'm Canadian, woohoo, Canada. And, um, and then basically, I've been an engineer my entire life. And I've been I've worked on all sorts of different uh, different projects on the side and with friends. And during high school, I spent a lot of time at home on the computer instead of with friends, but it's okay. And then basically, I would uh, after after that, I I went to school. And while I went to school, I was also at Google. I was a back-end systems engineer at Google for about what was it about four years. And then once I graduated from school. I then um, I then joined Twitter in 2009 to 2012. So I spent about two and a half, three years at Twitter as a systems engineer there too. And then um, Twitter was a really small company at the time, maybe 40, 50 people. And I I really loved it when it was smaller. So I eventually ended up leaving Twitter, and uh, and I had the brilliant idea of wanting to start a company. And well, it's today. It's uh, I started this this thing called Envoy. It's a visitor registration company for small businesses and uh, and basically any size business that just has visitors. And it's it's the coolest thing. It's this weird problem nobody really thinks about. But when you when you do actually think about it, it's such a real problem that every office has. So I'm super excited to be working on on something that well, that's really well, impactful. Larry, let me interrupt you one minute. When you say Absolutely. what is the problem, okay, so that the audience knows what you're ta- what we're t- talking about. Yeah, the problem is, um, well, so basically the problem is that there's a lot of people going in and out of businesses. Um, you, can, you can go to, like, for example, a, a construction yard and a, somebody that's going into a construction yard, they might need to sign some paperwork that says like, uh, like OSHA paperwork. Or they might need to register with the front to say, like, okay, I'm here on duty at this time. 
Um, and it could be visitors, it could be employees, but people need to basically register that they've entered a building a lot of the time, even for security purposes. So what Envoy does is it, it replaces what used to be a paper book that would be up front and that people would just scribble anything on there. It replaces it with an iPad that can do a lot more. It can, it can make you sign documents really easily. You can print out like visitor badges in, in businesses where like a law firm where people are coming in and like there's all these guests walking around. You've got to make sure they're in the right place. Um, so it just makes everything a whole lot more um, streamlined and, and simple for the visitor and for the business. Okay. Uh, how did you come up with this idea and how did you develop it? <laughs> um, so this is a really interesting um, thing. It's, this is an idea that, that it's kind of a it's it's kind of a boring idea like it's not that exciting, but but this is actually what I get interested in. I I look for weird problems that that exist that are kind of boring and and I see that as an opportunity. So how this came up is I basically was visiting a bunch of friends at bigger companies like Google and Apple and well I'm based in San Francisco so everybody around here is these awesome big companies, but um but what's really interesting is that a lot of these companies had this cool system up front. They actually built it themselves. People at Apple and Facebook and Google found the time to build something like this themselves. And, and I was like, that's kind of weird. Like, why does, why does Google and Apple get all the cool stuff, but smaller businesses uh, and even a lot of other startups around here and companies even outside of San Francisco, tons of companies all have the same issue of, people coming in, but it's not very efficient. It's not, it's not streamlined. The, the records aren't very, are kept very straight. And I was like, wow, everybody should have access to the same technology. But there was nothing really out there that, that startups and small businesses would feel comfortable to put in front of their visitors, which is the first entry, the first thing that a visitor sees when they come in. And yeah, startups are looking for ways to stand out and stand apart. Um, and technology can really be leveraged here. Um, so that's that's really what I what I saw in this, and and it's it's just been expanding like crazy in every single different type of vertical, be it like small tech companies, gyms, schools, real estate using it for open houses, um, law firms using it to like sign people in, or architecture firms, um, like the construction thing I mentioned earlier, basically. Anybody that has a front desk or that needs to keep track of whoever's entering a building, um, Envoy just makes that painless. Well, how does your system work? Um, basically, a visitor comes in, and then there's an iPad on the front desk. And there's still going to be a receptionist there. And the receptionist is like, hey, how are you doing? Can I grab you some water, some coffee? And you're like, yeah, please, coffee, sure. And then what happens is you, um, you then do the mundane stuff of like typing in your name. You type in maybe your, your phone number or email address on the iPad. And then, um, and then while they're talking to you about your day and you're, you're doing the fun part with them, uh, the boring part can be handled by Envoy. And you just type in all that information. You sign any kind of document if you need like a non-disclosure agreement or a, um, any kind of waiver or anything like that. And it prints out a visitor badge afterwards. It's like a little Wi-Fi printer that's usually beside the iPad. And uh, you take the, the sticker, you put it on your, on your clothing or in a lanyard. And then um, Envoy will automatically send a text message or an email to the, um, to the host, to the person you're there to meet, to let them know, hey, by the way, your visitor has arrived. You should, you should arrive there. You should go meet them. 
Um, so mm -hmm. that frees up the uh, reception and front desk to, to basically worry about the experience, and they can do a lot more office management, and they, have, they just have a lot more time to be, to be doing uh, critical tasks to the business as opposed to the more mundane, um, like how do you spell your name, and like is that with a Y or an I, that kind of thing. Okay. Now, but Larry, now you had the idea. What did you do next? Basically, let's see. So um, I was really excited, um, and I was like, yes, this is an idea that nobody's done before. We're going to be the first. And I'm an engineer, as I uh, kind of mentioned in the beginning, and I literally built the original iOS application in Objective-C and then the original dashboard for administrators to log in, uh, and I built that on Ruby on Rails uh, in the back end. And so it's a, fully, it's a full cloud service, so it's, um, it's all hosted on the Internet. You don't need to do backups. You don't need any expensive on-site hardware. And, uh, and, and it was cool. I was just able to prototype it myself. And, and that was really nice because I could discover all the problems and iterate really quickly between different things. And that was really helpful because a lot of the early feedback was like, hey, like uh, a lot of our visitors don't like having their picture taken. Can we make that be optional? And, uh, and I was able to iterate really quickly. It's like, okay, we can move this around. People don't know to click next over here. And because of that, because I had this engineering ability, it, uh, it really made it such that we didn't have to like raise money really early or we didn't have to um, like start doing kind of short-term uh, money-making strategies. We could just think like, okay, let's just make sure everybody's really happy and, uh, and we'll worry about kind of revenues and stuff later. And um, and that that strategy has been very effective. Well, did you bootstrap? Did you finance it yourself, or did you get uh, visitors, uh, 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 other people to help you? Um. So basically, it was um, it was for the first I think eight months. It was basically bootstrapped, um, and I basically built the app. And it's it's um yeah it was it was just me working on it, and then I had some help from a friend who did um, design. And so he actually made it look tolerable as opposed to the kind of stuff that, that I would come up with. But, um, but basically it was just us working on, on this in, in our, our spare time. And like we started working on it full time a little bit until it just started picking up steam and so many like companies around here in Silicon Valley mm -hmm. started using it. And mm -hmm. uh, people, it's really interesting. People saw it at other companies and then they're like, oh, wow, this is really cool. I really enjoyed this experience. I want this at my company. And to this day, that is how the product is spreading. It's, we, we have a sales team of like one and a half people and we have like a marketing team that literally just started maybe a, like a few months ago. Um, and we've been around for three years. Hmm. But yeah, we're we're in over 2,000 companies worldwide today. Um, what is it like something like 55 countries, and it's all been based on this growth of people seeing it, liking it, and then bringing it to to their own company. And it's that's the it's such a great way of growing growing a company. It's very much based on people lo loving it and like really really wanting more. Well, I can I can see that. Um, well, Larry, we have um, uh, another guest for the program. I wonder if you have time to stay on and let them join us uh, and uh, kind of make this a two-way. Would you object? Because you've been uh, very yeah, good. Yeah, absolutely. No problem. Um, you're the example of uh, uh, of a successful company. Someone got an idea, 
developed it and uh, implemented it, and now you how long you've been in business? It's been three years now. Three years, and you got over two thousand yeah. customers. Now the do, do you yeah, over two thousand paying customers. Um, do you, is it a royalty based system, or do you buy the system and forget it? How does it, how does the uh, uh, marketing work? Um, um, basically, the product the product's basically something you um, you just go and you you have an iPad that you just get yourself. Um, you can get it from the Apple Store anywhere, and you install it there. There's a stand, and you can you can buy any kind of stand. Um, and then basically, you sign up for the Envoy service on the Envoy website at Envoy.com. And, um, and basically, it's, just, it's a typical so, uh, software-as-a-service um, uh, model. So basically, you pay a monthly fee, or you can pay uh, annually if, you, if you're sure you're going to use this for a year. And, um, and basically, you, that it's just a month-to-month thing. It's a recurring subscription model. Oh, so you have a revenue stream on into the future. There's no way that someone can buy it and, and just use it from now on. Uh, yeah, it's a um, it's it's recurring revenue, and it's but the thing is, you have to in in this kind of model, especially a cloud system, it has to be solid and it has to work all the time, and mm-hmm. you have to not lose people's data. And so there's a lot of caveats to yes, you're getting recurring revenue that that and that's pretty cool because they're basically going to keep on paying you every single month. But the moment you start screwing up and you start making uh, a bad experience, um, they will find something else. And I'm sure at some point we're going to start getting competitors that show up that, that are going to try to clone what we've built. And because it's just software. I mean, software is really tough. It's, it's easy to clone. So you always have to be innovating and making new stuff and changes so that you can stay ahead. And, um, and that's what keeps us motivated day to day. And our engineering team is the biggest team in the company right now. And we're always looking to make it better. Um, and it's mm. not just bugs. It's all just new features. We, we want to add better support for, like, better signing. We want to do integrations with Salesforce and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it, it's, a, it's a really powerful product, especially as we've been developing it for the last three years. Well, one, one other quick question before we uh, bring in. Um, uh, do, do you then have a log of every visitor that, that signed in? The company has a log, so they know uh, John, John Smith signed in on last Tuesday. Absolutely, yeah. We um, there's a dashboard for the administrators, and they can see all of the information. Um, if they signed any kind of NDA or waiver, they can see the entire document signed on there. Um, mm-hmm. You can search through people that have been there before. You can export it as like a CSV or an Excel, so that you can um, you can do any kind of external processing on it there. We do. Uh, we even have analytics built into the service. You can see like pretty charts as to how many visitors you're getting, and it's like, oh, maybe we should get like uh, another receptionist here because we're getting 100 visitors a day now, whereas last month we only got like 80 or something. So it's 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 great for decision making and just for for knowing the flow of of people coming into your building. Ah, well, Larry, stay on for a couple minutes because we have uh, absolutely a very some very interesting guests. Welcome to the show and introduce yourself. You're now live. Uh, this is uh, Upendra Chivukula, like uh, driving a Chevy, drinking a cola, Chevy cola. And uh, I am an elect- electrical engineer and uh, uh, former mayor and uh, former uh, state legislator in New Jersey. 
Yes, Benny uh, Musum, a retired senior vice president for John Paul Mitchell Systems and also a uh, Republican committeeman. Ah, well, and, well, welcome to the program. You, um, um, you, uh, you, you bring some interesting insights. Um, the, tell us a little bit of back, background and why you're here uh, t- today to talk to us about small business. Well, you know, when you're listening to the presidential uh, uh, campaigns and the uh, rhetoric that that's going on, uh, the middle class and the poor class, they're frustrated. And uh, we live in uh, uh, the, one of the richest countries in the world, and uh, we have a capitalistic society where uh, 50% of Americans don't own any capital. So through this, this book, The Third Way, uh, the thethirdwaybook.com is our website, uh, we are trying to bring about the importance of capital. Capital is not as measured in money, but it is the earning power. So we are suggesting some ideas that in addition to wages, uh, uh, there should be employee ownership in the form of uh, capital. And that is a major idea we are pushing, and uh, we are also addressing the issues with respect to uh, the highest corporate tax rate uh, in America, which is 35%, and mm. how we can... Uh, use that to create uh, incentives for corporations, not mandates, but incentives for corporations to share part of their wealth with their employees. Right. Well, you know, we we also have um, we have Larry Godina on. He's CEO of Envoy, which is a a, a very practical system for um, uh, uh, logging in um, visitors to to program. We have two people that want to talk about capital, and we just had someone join us, uh, Ann Dieter Gallagher, who I'd like to um, uh, bring into this program at this point because she wants to talk about – Ann, are you on board? I am. How are you? Fine. Well, this is going to be an interesting uh, conversation because you want to talk about uh, practical advice for women entrepreneurs – uh, women uh, started more new businesses in 2015 than men. Interestingly enough, that's a statistic that's going to come on. So we have people. We have a very successful uh, founder and uh, of, a, of a very successful company. We have two people who want to talk about um, uh, the changing role, and we have a, a, a woman on who wants to talk about how practical advice. So we're going to have a very interesting program. And uh, uh, I w- uh, wanted uh, f- uh, and to first give us a little bit of background about herself before we uh, we go into anything else. And Larry, I know you have a time constraint. Would you like to drop off now or stay on and listen? I- I'm completely okay to stay on. This sounds like it's going to be a Good. great conversation. Good. <laughs> uh, uh, um, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, sure. I'd be happy to, Don. And uh, thanks for uh, having me on, and I'm excited to hear more from your other guests. So as you mentioned, my name is Ann Dieter Gallagher, and I own a uh, marketing, public relations, and digital media firm. We are headquartered in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and I recently uh, opened an office in Nashville, Tennessee. So, um, yeah, we've got a a nice north-south thing going on there. And I started my business, uh, you know, as you talk about female entrepreneurs, started my business at the age of 40. So I would be your non-traditional female entrepreneur. Uh, Stayed at home 15 years to raise our three sons. 
and I worked part part time. So uh, I spent my first five years post college as an editor in a publishing house. And uh, when I uh, was expecting our first son, I negotiated with our uh, CEO to, uh, and this was kind of unheard of in our nonprofit uh, publishing house negotiated that he didn't really want to, it wasn't a financial benefit to lose my talent and experience, but I wanted to work from home. I still wanted to uh, be at home largely full-time. So how could we make that work? They'd never brokered anything like that. It was, you know, I'm back in the early 80s with this, so it wasn't, um, it was fairly new. So we broke new ground and I, you know, put out what the plan might look like and they said, yeah, so... I did that for 15 years and uh, two more sons after the first one. Realized with my husband that, um, you know, I had two choices. I would re-enter the workforce and work for, you know, uh, a publishing house or, or, you know, something in communications journalism, or I would strike out on my own and then ultimately reap all the benefits, financial and branding, from my efforts. And, you know, really felt the sky would be my limit. But I say that having never had a business course in college. So you could you can see how the landscape, you know, was set up. But um, I thought I could do it, and that was the year 2000. And 16 years later, I haven't turned back. Okay. Uh, and stand, now stand by. Now, our two gentlemen have a very interesting – can you th- describe to us – what is the basis of which of 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 your book and and uh how you feel um we we should move ahead the floor is yours well don here here's what the data shows the data shows that businesses that involve the employees uh generally not 100% because nothing's 100% but generally the data shows um are much more successful uh, there's less turnover, there's higher profits, there's higher uh, corporate revenue, sales increase, absenteeism goes down. So everybody wins. That's what you're looking for. It was a, our book is called The Third Way, and our site is called thethirdwaybook.com. If you go to that site, you'll see a lot more information about that. This is an idea that 10,000, this will shock your audience, uh, it's already happening out there. There's already 10,000 businesses uh, and, and nearly 15 million people enjoying this, what they call ESOPs, Employee Stock Ownership Plans. Um, and there's several other ways, other, other instruments, SPP, Stock Purchase Plans, or ESOs, uh, Employee Stock Options, ways that the employees can not only just work for a wage, but they can get a piece of equity. And what the, what the data shows is that when you do this, um, not only does the employee gain wealth, for example, in the average ESOP account uh, is about $125,000. That's the average account. There are accounts with you know, a quarter of a million, half a million and up uh, that are being, being able to be amassed. That doesn't happen from failed companies. That happens because companies are successful. Let me give you some of the companies that are, that are doing stock, uh, some form of stock uh, equity. Uh, it's what built Silicon Valley. Hello? Uh, Silicon Valley was the largest uh, economic engine the world has ever seen. Companies like Microsoft, Google, um, Apple, uh, ever hear of those? Uh, uh, things like Procter & Gamble, old line companies like that, IBM, Johnson & Johnson, General Motors, Ford, and it goes on and on. Morgan Stanley, Southwest Airlines, Whole Foods. Many, many companies do this large and small, and it absolutely works. The employees win. 
the companies win and society wins in general because instead of having huge social costs, you can cut that if people are able to take care of themselves. And not just with wages, but with capital. The real equity now, the real growth of inequality is coming because people that own capital, where they have a piece of the action, whether it's real estate or part of a business, that's why the income inequality is growing, because the wealth is really in, in capitalism. It's a capitalistic country. We just need more capitalists. Huh. That's very that's interesting. A, that's actually really interesting. We do so. We actually do exactly this. Like we in at Envoy, we actually have a every single person here has equity in the company, and it's it's substantial. Um, and what what we find is that people really like that. They they're they're excited about it because it's like, oh wow, okay, I'm getting a, a great salary, but I have this other thing. And yes, it might go to zero if our startup doesn't work out. But if it does, it's this really great bonus that's like, wow, okay, this, this was amazing. Like, I spent like four years, five, ten years here, and, and it's just, it was, it was worth it, and it was this great thing. Um, so definitely people are way more motivated, way more excited about it. They'll do things that they aren't asked to do, um, and they'll want to, and they'll be excited about it. And, um, and it's great because it, it just makes a – makes an office of people that, that want to be there and that are excited to be there, um, as opposed to people just having to be there or people being there to make their, their money and then leave at, at a certain time. So it's, uh, it's really well, yeah, great. You're like, right. Very it's, motivating. It's, it's human nature. It's human nature. I mean, when you, when you uh, take a rental car, do you ever take a rental car to a, uh, to a car wash? Of course not, because you don't own it. If you stay in a hotel room, you, do you treat that the same as you do your house? Of course not. I mean, I don't know about you, but I throw the towels on the floor. Uh, you know, so, so <laughs> the, the, it, when you own something, it has a total different dynamic and it's human nature, and we're finding that that's what works. Now, by the way, on our site, the thethirdwaybook.com, there's, uh, there's consultants that can show companies how to do this. Uh, there's resources there. We don't get any money from them. They don't get any money from us. But if companies well, want to know how to do this, build corporate equity, we show them how to do that. Is that what you do? No, is no, that... no. We we're, we're we're authors. I'm a uh, you know business person, and my co-author is is a is a former le a legislator. But uh, we have there are consultants. We there's about half a dozen of the top consultants in the country. That if you want to build an ESOP in your in your company, they would come in. They're experts. They mm -hmm. do some of the largest from from small companies to some of the largest companies uh, in the country. They 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 handle them. And they are experts at doing that. Uh, but the good news is people do it because they know that the company becomes generally, no, nothing's 100%, but generally the companies are more successful. Uh, and this is proven out by the National Center of Employee Ownership out in San Francisco. The data is in. It's already in. It works. Uh, Anne, uh, do you want to chime in with anything on, on this? Oh, sure. Sure. Thanks, Don. I would take that before you get to the ESOP stage, uh, our first book, my co-author Amy Howell and I, uh, Amy lives in Memphis, uh, we wrote Women in High Gear, which you can find on Amazon uh, or go to womeninhighgear.com. We started back at the first stage for the entrepreneur, so for the female uh, business owner or on-ramper, which is what I'm called, someone who has off-ramped uh, for a season, whether to care for children or um, you know, pursue a sabbatical, professional development, uh, caregiving for parents, and then you've on-ramped. And we lose a lot of women in that uh, stage because they feel they can't compete or you know, if they were at home with children, 
they feel they uh, don't have the skills to to really reach a high gear. So Women in High Gear is for, you know, the entrepreneurs, on-rampers, and aspiring executives and giving them the tools to get to the level where they can scale their business to hire, you know, 2, 10, 20, 50 employees to, to reach the ESOP opportunities. And I absolutely agree with that. The more, the more opportunities for engagement, that's a, a talent recruitment tool if you can – you know, not only pay a wage, but you can give them opportunity to invest uh, in the growth of the company, um, as well as, you know, if you give them opportunities for social good, those are all, um, you know, great uh, recruitment tools as well. But women are 45% of the workforce, maybe a little more, so <clears throat> we're not a niche audience. We're, we're quite a powerful um, economic force and I think the sooner we unleash the female entrepreneurs, the uh, the better and more competitive our economy will be. Well, I'm going to yeah, uh, go, go ahead. Keep going. Go ahead. No, the well, guest. Well, if first. I can, that's a really good point that she's making there. Uh, what What's really interesting is if you dovetail that into the idea that she's as a recruitment tool, what built Silicon Valley, here's the facts. The Silicon Valley Many of them could not afford to pay the top talent at the time. Right. So what they were right. able to do, whether it was, uh, was they were able to attract them because they gave them a certain wage. Maybe they couldn't pay the highest wage, but they gave them equity. So that's how Silicon Valley literally was built. Um, they got they got a wage uh, at the time was maybe couldn't afford to get the best they could, but people would come on board because they had to saw the opportunity. So when you offer these uh, someone a chance for equity, that that really builds that uh, camaraderie uh, and and team spirit that really is what has made many of them successful, incredibly successful. Well, that works well with the millennials too coming out. Um, they really want to work for purpose. They want they want even more meaning than than. Uh, you know, the generation that preceded them. And when you give them an opportunity to invest or be part of something much bigger than themselves, they will take the risk. They'll, you know, they'll go the journey with you. And like you said, they'll work late at night and early in the morning to, you know, pitch to investors or do whatever it takes to, you know, to reach that high gear. Keep going. Uh, uh, I have to tell you one thing. My one experience with ESOP was an absolute disaster. Um, uh, this was many years ago, so I, I, I have a bias. But my radio partner on my other program absolutely believes in e, uh, ESOPs and believes that they're, they're an answer. Uh, why don't more um, political figures? Right, wait, let's not let's let's not gloss over that because it's important to speak to that. Um, we in our in our book and, and the people that are, are advocating ESOPs these days, employee stock ownership plans. The very key thing is you do not put any of your own money at risk, period. That was done with uh, uh, some other companies that, that had done that, uh, and, and, and uh, that, that puts too much employees' money at risk. In, in the ESOPs of today, where, where empl employers are able to get low-interest loans and they were able to share that equity with their workers, the workers put none of their own money up at risk. So it's only a plus. It's a net plus. There is no – we do not advocate employees putting their retirement savings into those plans. It's, it's all coming for the employer with no risk to the employee. It's, a win -win, it's only a win-win situation. That's the way mm -hmm. it should be structured, and that's the way the people that we – the consultants on our website, the way they structure them. Okay. Uh, yeah, well, typically uh, it would be stock – 
it'll be stock options. Uh, you're not issuing shares. So a lot of these, uh, especially these incentive stock options, are basically um, you get them and you don't actually lose, uh, you don't have to pay for them or anything like that until you want to turn them into shares. And typically people won't turn them into shares until they have an opportunity to sell them. So it's basically 100% risk-free for the employee to get them. And if the company doesn't do well, great. You never exercise them and it's easy. But if the company does do well, then they can exercise them, recognize a tax gain, um, but then be able to sell some such that they can cover the tax and make um, basically money on it. But let me right, those are cool. let, let me point out. Let me interrupt you, and I seldom do. But uh, sometimes, what is at risk is the is the uh, retirement. In, in many of these companies, there's a, a retirement um, a fund that is sometimes used, and I don't know whether it's still legal or not. In in the case of of uh, the company that I was involved with, they took the employee's pension fund and turn that into the money to buy the ESOP. And everybody right, lost right. money. That is not a good idea. That is not, we, do, we absolutely are dead set against that. And that is an old way of doing things. We're dead set against that. Um, <laughs> that sounds it, it, but, but it's still legal. And didn't, the, in, in the Chicago Tribune case, did it not uh, end up wiping out a lot of retirees' funds? Yeah, well, well, again, you, you don't want to do, um, for example, there was uh, instances where you, where the employees were encouraged um, to put their own retirement monies at, at stake. That is not a good idea. Um, these, these ESOP plans today are plans where the employer puts all the dollars in, none from the employees. Now, the other guest was talking about what's called um, uh, ESOs, Employee Stock Options, which is a different animal, which is a different uh, – it's also a, a good idea. It's a darn good idea. It's a different instrument. There's also what's called SPPs. We lay out in the book there's about a dozen different ways of doing this, major ways of doing this. There's what's called case ops. There's many different ways of structuring it. That's what a good consultant can do for you, how you want to structure that. Um, but the main thing is, is that the, the underlying idea is that where the employee gets some type of equity uh, without risk, they do not put their own dollars at, at stake, so it's really a win-win. Uh, the only potential is for a win, an extra, an extra win. The idea is if the employees are motivated, they're part of a team, that really uh, is proven to work uh, in an overwhelming number of cases. Well, let me go to Larry. L Larry, is that how your system works, that, in fact, you, uh, you, you put all the monies at risk? Uh, yeah, well, because they're um, stock options, there's actually no money that that needs to be put in. It's uh, in the way that we do it. Like like I, uh, like was mentioned, there's there's a variety of different ways of doing it. But uh, we basically have employee stock options on an employee stock option plan that uh, that we issue uh, incentive uh, employee incentive stock options, and basically you receive a certain amount of options. Um, they vest over a certain amount of years, so you have to stay there for X amount of years until you get all of them. Uh, and meanwhile, it's, um, you get a certain amount every single month up until the end of the, uh, in our case, four-year period. And, um, and then you have these options, and you basically can choose to exercise them at some point. Um, but these stock options are, they should be, I encourage people to look at it as like, it's, it's like a bonus. It's a nice to have. 
it's certainly not something that you should ever put in the same sentence as like a retirement plan or anything that, that will in the future depend on it. Like this is, it's a nice to have, not something you should be putting any kind of um, retirement savings or anything like that into uh, because small companies are, it's, it's risky and it's very likely the company will not work out. So you need to, uh, you can't be putting um, your retirement into something high risk like that. Thank you, because you're the practical example. I want to go to to Anne now and ask her a different question, which uh, uh, there's some uh, surveys out and analysis that indicates that um, uh, w- women, by and large, we definitely know that they're paid less than men, but also uh, when it comes to these financial dealings are often dealt of the short end of the stick. Would you want to comment on that? That's not my experience. And let me tell you, you know, as far as the pay inequality, uh, because I come from the realm, um, and that certainly that the pay inequality does exist, but I'm in the world of, you know, entrepreneurship, uh, business ownership. So that's one way to take that issue off the table. The market will tell you uh, how much it will bear. You know, so when you price your services accordingly, um, my clients are not responding based on, you know, male or female. They're responding based on quality and deliverables and, uh, and price most often. So that's how I got totally around that situation. And, again, uh, I came to the point where if I was working really hard and was really successful, did I want to know what steps I would be on if I, you know, if I worked for government or uh, in education, or did I want to reap the benefits of what the market you know, would say that I was worth. So I chose the latter. Um, and as far as the capital, so I, I uh, bought my own commercial building uh, in the last year and a half. And that was a exciting, you know, new high gear for me in business ownership. I had leased for seven years. I had done the math. Uh, and when I first began, it was a good investment. And, I was, and then, you know, as I grew, I thought this isn't, you know, it's a lot of uh, lease payment. It no longer suited my business uh, model. So I went to our community bank, one of our community banks, and that's really where uh, female entrepreneurs and, and really all small business owners can um, talk to people in person. That's where you get to explain the narrative and the numbers. So they're not only going to look at your uh, all your profit and loss and your revenues and your projections, they're going to understand your uh, community footprint and and what they figure your success will be. So they they take all of it into consideration. And that's so I did not have uh, any struggle with our community bank, Centric Bank, on uh, as a female entrepreneur. And they really have the, the chief executive officer is a female. She was head of our Pennsylvania Bankers Association, which is a large, uh, you know, the third largest in the country. So she was very in tune uh, with women and money and capital and access to capital. So I was, uh, you know, excited that 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 story has, uh, you know, is turning around. So capital, uh, especially on the community level, there is access to capital for entrepreneurs and female entrepreneurs. Well, that that allows me to segue into the question: How do you find the capital for these uh, uh, these new ESOPs? Well, I mean, uh, you you can also go and and, and do uh, interest loans. May if you these are loans that can be set up, you know, with with 
banking institutions that uh, our consultants can can talk to the companies about. Um, they're very, very experienced with dealing that, working between the, the, the company and the financial institution. Um, the good news is that companies, for example, you, 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 just to go back and talk about certain companies, uh, uh, when they do work, it's incredibly successful. For example, you know, there's, there's, it's legend about people, that, secretaries working for Microsoft that are, that are multimillionaires now. Um, so it, it is lucrative. And people need to realize this is, what, this is where the, the real wealthy people understand this. It's the average person. Our book is written for the average person. Uh, and they can check it out at the thethirdwavebook.com. That, uh, that in the information age, you simply cannot make it on wages alone uh, unless you're making enormously high salaries and then are able to invest your own wages. Uh, that's what I did. That's how I, I did it on my own. Upendra, my co-author, worked for AT&T where he got uh, corporate stock. He was able to, to retire in his 40s uh, because it was very, very, very lucrative. Uh, wealthy people know this. Uh, and the good news is in these companies that have these ESOPs and other things, generally wages are also higher. Wages are between 5 to 12% higher because generally the companies are more successful. Uh, in the information age, you just can't make it on wages alone. You need that other uh, ore in the water, and that's, uh, you know, that bonus of, of capital wealth, and whether it's structured as a retirement uh, plan or whether it's structured as a, as a stock option, as your other guest was saying, uh, no matter how you do it, Getting capital equity is really where the money is. I mean, does anyone think that Donald Trump is working for wages or punching a clock? Give me a break. His money is being made from capital wealth, uh, real estate, and his equity in his businesses. That's where the money is. We don't want to take money away from the millionaires we just, or billionaires. We just want other people to be able to share in that. That's the, that's the hidden secret that people don't know. That's what's in our book, and we show you the companies that are doing this and the places you can go to research, like the National Center for Employee Ownership. So if you're looking for a place of employment, or if you're a business that wants to learn more about this, that's where you can go to learn about it. And generally, uh, everybody wins. The employees, the employees, everybody wins. I have to say, uh, uh, we often have book authors on our program, and you and Ann are two of the most articulate authors We've ever had on this program. You're both oh, wow. to be congrat congratulated. Thank you. Um, uh, but I also have to add one more thing, and we have a new guest I want to bring in. Um, you, there's the legend uh, uh, that the taxi driver that brought the inventor of Xerox to a meeting in Rochester heard about it and uh, invested his his and his sister's money in a com in a small company called Xerox. Um, uh, yeah. and, and made uh, was a multi-billionaire when he died, but anyway, I'd like um, to bring in M uh, Mike Howell. If uh, everybody doesn't object, um, uh, Mike Howell, uh, Howell is co-founder and CEO of Dolly. <laughs> he has an app which I love, and that's why he has, he's on the program. You move anything app, uh, Mike. Welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be part of it. Well, um, we're, we're having an interesting discussion. We have on Larry Gadea. He's CEO of Envoy, uh, which is a, a fascinating company f uh, providing help for people who sign in. We have the, uh, the author of Third Wave, a book on uh, um, how to how – to, I think I would sum it up by saying uh, – it's turning your employees into capital. Uh, that's how I, yeah. I, I'm hearing uh, saying it. 
and Anne Dieter Gallagher, who uh, talks about uh, women and uh, uh, and uh, w- how women and others can really get ahead. And uh, we've asked each of them a little bit to tell you a little bit about their personal background. So, Mike, you get your chance. Yeah, great. So, um, so I'm a Seattle native, uh, went away for school, came back, ended up spending about five or six years as a management consultant for one of the, you know, one of the typical management consultant firms you all know, and, uh, and then got the burning itch to build my own company um, and, and start something from scratch. And I think part of that is tied into the theme that I've, I've heard here today around you know, not wanting to work for just wages, but really build something that I could build capital around over time. And so uh, in 2005, I started my first company. It was called Wet Paint. Um, ultimately, we were in uh, the social media space, so related to Facebook and Twitter. That business was acquired in, in 2013 and had then uh, started Dolly, so my second business just shortly thereafter. So I'm very much a part of the entrepreneurial and startup um, ecosystem in Seattle and, and more broadly, and a huge believer in um, employee stock option plans and making sure that you're incentivizing your employees richly um, as part of the capital appreciation of the overall business. So you... you uh... But tell us about your app um, before we do anything else. Yeah, you led into it nicely. So Dolly is an on-demand marketplace for moving and delivery. And so what we ultimately do is we connect people who, or businesses for that matter, who have stuff they want to move, you know, kind of big, heavy, bulky, awkward objects, with local truck owners who want to do the moving and lifting for them. So in a lot of ways, we are like Uber, but for stuff instead of people. Um, and so we've helped, you know, a lot of consumers buy something at a Craigslist, you know, off of Craigslist and get it home or at a crate and barrel where it's too big or heavy or bulky for them to move in their car or they don't own a car. Um, it's an app where you can go on and say, hey, I've got this object to move. I'm moving at a relatively local basis. I want to do this on this time frame. We give pricing up front. Um, and then your driver shows up and helps you move it wherever you want in your home. Okay. Oh, oh, since we're on the topic, you say you richly employ. Uh, uh, how do you feel about? Uh, well, obviously you feel this way, but uh, how do you build your system to, uh, to uh, encourage your employees to be part of the capital, human capital yeah. world? Yeah, yeah, you bet. Well, it starts really early in the conversation when we're recruiting folks, and part of what we spend time on is making sure that people are mission driven, meaning. You know, they really believe in what we are trying to do and the problem we are trying to solve, but that they believe in that strongly enough where they want to participate um, in the equity of the business. And for a startup, you know, our most precious asset, as it is for many small businesses, is cash. And so we don't pay, you know, we, we, take a, we, we spend a bunch of time and energy understanding the market for any particular role in terms of what the salary for that should be. And then we pay a little bit below market with the idea being that you're going to make up for some of that below market salary in the long term with a financial gain of, uh, of the equity that you're, you're vesting over the course of your time there. So the conversation starts around what we're doing and making sure the employee is really driven and wanting to be a part of the mission that we're going after. And then that the philosophy we have, if that's the case, is we're all in this boat together and we, stay, we take slightly below market salaries, uh, but we participate very richly in the equity appreciation of the business. Hmm. Um, no, uh, Don, this is this. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. 
I was just going to ask for yeah, you to comment. Yes, this is this is a model that you're seeing. This is literally a great example of what your what your other guest is saying of literally what built Silicon Valley. The nice news, the great news is, not in all cases, but in in many cases, in the long run, not only do they does their capital appreciate, but they're generally the wages over time are higher in the long run because the company's more successful, five to twelve percent. So that's what's great. Now let me give you some some really powerful statistics. Uh, CBO, the Congressional Budget Office, just released a report over the last several years uh, as it relates to inequality. That you're hearing this all in the news. The top 1% indeed has grown. Their wealth has grown at 275%. Unbelievable. Where the average person is about uh, only up a little bit or down. So that's unbelievably powerful. But now what's driving that? The other report you want to look at, this is all on our website, by the way, at thethirdwaybook.com, is Brookings just did a report. 86% of all capital wealth and capital income went to the top 20%. My math tells me that that, that leaves for the bottom 80% only 14%. So it's really capital that is driving the wealth. That is what's making the, 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 the inequality. It's not just the wage side. Well, I would like to modify one thing you say as it relates to our book. We're not just turning employees into cap. They're not just capitalists. Capital. They they are capitalists. They become capitalists. They start thinking differently. They start acting differently. And that's what your other guests are picking up on. And that's what works. You want to build a team approach. You want to get everyone involved. It's not just that you offer a few uh, shares of stock. You now start people thinking differently, offering ideas, team building, team team problem solving it's really a culture it's a culture combined with a new capitalist paradigm that's really the future and that's what we're seeing companies that are being very very successful from small medium and large companies all across the country we just need to make more of them with intelligent public policy to incentivize companies cut that corporate tax rate and share it with the workers it's a win-win and a bonanza it would solve all the problems in our country not all but a heck of a lot of them a heck of a lot of them if everyone became more if our, my author says we should have more capitalists in a capitalist country. That would solve a lot of problems. Tell me what you Don. really believe. Um, go, <laughs> yeah. go ahead, Ann. <laughs> yeah, Don, if I can just uh, segue uh, off of, of all the guests there, the, the young man who just joined with the Dolly app uh, and the uh, employee stock options, Amy's and my second book, uh, The Future Belongs to Students in High Gear, also found on Amazon, studentsinhighgear.com speaks to all of that, and I would challenge each of us, uh, you know, as business owners and executives, our job now and responsibility is to make sure the students, the 21 million young men and women who are in our uh, community colleges and higher institutions, uh, understand the wealth-building principles, understand compounding interests, understand uh, where they can find the best uh, tools to help them take their idea from think to build and shorten that learning curve into the market and, uh, you know, access intellectual capital, that kind of stuff. So our second book, Amy and I just wrote, uh, is 13 chapters and, and helps them along that uh, career path. So once they graduate, that they are not, uh, you know, deciding to go back to grad school because they're not sure what to do. We make sure our Chapter 7 talks about, uh, you know, debt control and financial literacy, understanding that if you're signing a student loan, uh, you've got to be very clear of what you're signing away. So if, you, if you're coming out with extraordinary debt, 
It affects your income potential. You know, if you're taking six years to graduate, it affects your retirement. You've lost two years, you know, for earning income and then two years for investment. So um, making sure that they, I mean, they are our future, and that's, you know, that's what makes us competitive. Making sure that we instill all these uh, things we're talking about into them, uh, I firmly believe, is, is our responsibility in business. Yeah, those, yeah, those are excellent points. Go ahead. I want to get yeah, to Larry. Yeah. Before, before okay. we go too far, go ahead. Go ahead. Make your point. Yeah. Those are excellent, excellent, excellent points. And what's great is a student that comes out today, if they go to the NC, to our either our book, uh, which lists the top 100 companies that do this, also you can go to the NCEO, which we, we list how, uh, how to get in touch with them. It'll show these people the companies that they should be looking at when they are coming out of college, I agree with your other guests that this is something that they absolutely should be looking at when they, when they decide to work for a particular company, is do they have offer a stock equity in, in some form, whether it's a, SP, a stock purchase plan or a stock option or an ESOP, or employee stock ownership plan, which is more of a retirement plan, but something where they get a piece of the action. It does change the culture. It does change the way the employees act and it really changes the dynamic of what happens with inside that company. So it's really a win-win for all. Um, and this is, by the way, a lot of young people, they're attracted to this new, you know, uh, uh, socialism. We're hearing Bernie Sanders, which, by the way, here's a shock for you. Bernie Sanders actually endorsed this idea. We actually have on our website, you can listen to Bernie Sanders and President Reagan and both archive vid uh, videos uh, Bernie endorsing this idea, and also a speech by Ronald Reagan endorsing this idea. So from the far left to the far to the right, you see people that that embrace this idea. Unfortunately, Bernie keeps going to this socialistic big government idea. That's where I believe he goes too far. But as far as employees getting wealth and sharing wealth within their place of employment, bingo, that is a winner all the way around. Whether it's President Reagan or Bernie Sanders, everyone agrees it's a hell of a good idea, and that's what's in the Third Way book. Um, Larry, are you there? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Larry, I, I want to go back to Mike Howell of, of Dolly because uh, he mentioned, uh, and I wanted before, before we're getting to the end, close to the end of the program. Uh, uh, when you go to hire somebody, um, Mike looks for uh, commitment. What do you look for in an individual, and do you use um, uh, uh, stock options or whatever as an incentive? Um, absolutely. There's typically two numbers in a in an offer letter that that people really will um, that are uh, very normal around here. And basically, I would almost say almost 100% of startups around here in San Francisco will uh, issue equity. Um, typically, they'll say the amount of shares that you would get, or like the amount of options that you get, and uh, and your salary. Um, typically, the, in, a, in a startup, there won't be a bonus plan or anything like that, but the two numbers are salary and equity. And um, what we do whenever we um, talk to a candidate that we really like, that we really feel is going to be a great culture fit and that will um, really kind of uh, be excited about the product and want to kind of do their own ideas and own things for it, um, it's it's that's basically when we find somebody that's that's really great and and that really enjoys kind of what Envoy is doing, um, we'll give them an offer and it'll be there'll be a salary and there'll be an equity that we represent in form of a percentage of the company. 
and then uh, and then we do the division based on the amount of outstanding shares for that uh, percentage that the employee will get. And and they like that. It's really great. It's competitive. Um, that's actually uh, it's you have to do it. Um, otherwise, another company around here will, and they'll grab that really great smart candidate. So uh, we have to do it, and um, and it's it's good because it kind of it ensures really high quality around the board, and we're we're trying to optimize for quality at all portions of our company, be it the product or the people. It's all about building something that's different and and extremely effective, and that's why um, I think that Envoy has been doing so so well everywhere um, because it's it's just like quality is is king. Hey, Don, can I make a quick comment on that? Don, are you there? Don? Don? <laughs> well, uh, we, have, we have the guests. <laughs> uh, we're, uh, we're having trouble. Uh, can you hear me? Hello? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I hear I, uh, I'm sorry. Um, we're having a little technical problem. But anyway... Um, Um, uh, we're now coming towards the end of the program. Before Larry, again, tell us about your product, because then I want to go to Mike, uh, and uh, we'll sign off. Larry, again, your company? Uh, cool, yeah. So I'm with uh, Envoy. Um, Envoy, a quick, it's, uh, it's a visitor registration product for small businesses, and um, and basically you... You go into it, uh, it's, it's for your visitors to sign in whenever they enter a building, and you have a really elegant way of kind of keeping track of everything. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's free to try out, uh, Envoy, E-N-V-O-Y.com. And it's, uh, if, if you have any kind of feedback or anything, we, uh, we always love that because we're always trying to make it better. So please let us know, and uh, we hope you like it. Well, I want to go to Mike and give him a couple of minutes because uh, – We've been kind of uh, neglecting him, but, but I, I would like to ask: um, uh, what What are the two things that you found? You've been you're a serial entrepreneur that, that's been most helpful that you would tell our audience. Yeah, and let me let me back up a second and uh, and clarify Dolly's um, value to small businesses as well. So. Um, we have a number of small businesses uh, in the markets that we're in who are using us to fulfill delivery for them to their customers. So, you know, that could be anything from uh, someone who is, a, you know, owns a, a chain of, of furniture stores or mattress stores or owns a consignment shop. So anytime a business is in the space of needing to move kind of bigger, heavier, bulkier items, either to and from themselves or to customers, um, you should take a look at Dolly. Um, we do things typically faster, cheaper, and uh, more reliably than than delivery providers of, of of today. So anyway, so that's a little bit on how we can bring value to small businesses. In terms of your question, Don, you know, I think there's two things that are key to success that I return to um, anytime I think about building uh, or, or starting a company. And Larry mentioned one of them, which is quality, um, and we focus on that. Extremely uh, intensely, and for us, what that means is really about, it's really about customer satisfaction, and we are maniacal about stats that measure what has been the customer's experience with our product, and the reason for that is the number one and I believe most powerful driver of successful businesses is virality. 
because um, there is no stronger way for you to find out about a business or a product than one of your friends telling you about it. And so I think the number one driver of that is what was your first experience with the product? If you've gone and you've loved it, and you've loved it so much, then you will tell someone else about it because you're almost compelled to do that. So we spend a bunch of time and energy building tools into our platform that, are, that allow us to monitor the customer experience. Um, and generally speaking, what that means for us as a business is roughly 95% of the dollies that we do are evaluated and rated as a five-star experience by the customer. Um, our NPS score, um, net, net promoter score, for those who aren't familiar with it, is basically a measurement of how likely people are to tell other people about your product. It's a very easy survey to run, and I would recommend all small businesses find a way to do that. Um, our NPS scores are off the charts high because I think our experience is so strong. So that means that our number one source of new users is existing users. So quality is number one and, and measuring the customer experience. And then the second theme I think is actually part of what this show's topic is around is how do you, how do you um, recruit great teams and make sure that you are feeding those great teams with an aligned mission, vision, and values. And part of that is equity for us. And as Larry mentioned, it's, you go, in the world of, of startups, offering equity is, is fairly table stakes. So um, you've got to do it, you want to do it, um, uh, because it aligns everyone towards a common mission. Um, and so we spend a lot of time making sure that we've, we're attracting the right people with the right packages. And how do people reach you or your app? Yeah, you can go to dolly.com, um, and our website's there. You can also look for the app itself in either the iOS, uh, the, the iTunes, or Android uh, app store. Okay. Well, Mike, thank you. Now, Ann, one last question for you. What, would you, what was the number one single thing you would advise women and students, and how do people reach you? Uh, well, good question. Thank you. They can uh, easily discover me on studentsinhighgear.com or womeninhighgear.com. And I would say uh, I'm going to give you two things. For the students, they really have to pay attention to their digital tattoo. What kind of content are they putting into the social space? Because that's, you know, the, whether you're a talent recruitment for Williams-Sonoma or FedEx or you're me, uh, you know, small business owner, Google search is, is my best friend, and we're going to uh, find out uh, before I invite you in for an interview what your digital tattoo is. Uh, and for the women uh, that are ready to launch or think they want to um, on-ramp again, assemble a personal board of advisors. That's not difficult. That means looking around in your community for influencers and successful men and women uh, and asking them if you can buy them coffee and tap into their wisdom you know, every other month and, and guide you as you uh, try to start your journey. Well, and uh, people can reach you. Our, uh, uh, I want to thank you and everyone else who's been on the program, especially you, Larry. You've been the most patient. Uh, our two, two guests from Third Wave have dropped off. I think they had another meeting. But I want to thank all of you. Mike has gone, too. Um, sure. For what has been, to me, one of the better meetings, better hours we've had together. Thank you. And Thank please come you. Back Thanks again. for having us. Okay, Don. Bye. Larry, come back again. Thank you for listening tonight. All of our guests are invited because they offer actionable advice to our audience. They do not pay to join us. 
but rather demonstrate their capacity for helping our audience and profits. Thank you for listening, and we'll be here again next week with other experts to talk about ways to improve your profit picture. Remember, we're here every week at blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. If you like what you heard today, tell others about our efforts. If you would like to be a guest or suggest topics for future hours, email me at info at 